0: Welcome to Diabetes Technology Report, co-hosted by endocrinologist David Klonoff from UCSF and David Kerr from Sutter Health. Welcome to the Diabetes Technology Society podcast, Diabetes Technology Report, I'm David Klonoff, I'm an endocrinologist at Mills Peninsula Medical Center in UCSF. I'm gonna be co-moderating this session today with Dr. David Kerr, and I'm introducing Dr. Kerr. Hello everyone, David Kerr
1: here. I'm Senior Investigator at Sutter Health. I'm based in Santa Barbara, California. It gives me enormous pleasure to welcome Doug Cantor today. Um, We were really struck by a recent article that Doug was first author, published in the Journal of Diabetes Science and Technology. The title of the article was Designing the CGM Experience, an App Design Process Overview. So before we get into the impetus behind the article, Doug, just want to tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you're doing at the moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, First off, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was a pleasure to write the article for um, the Journal of Diabetes, Science and Technology and also to be here today. Um, As you mentioned, I'm Doug Cantor, I am the uh, Director of User Experience Design at Dexcom. We produce a uh, continuous glucose monitor devices and so I am part of the design team that helped design and develop the G7 product that we recently launched.
1: So. What was behind? Why did you put this article together? Why do you think it was important to put this in writing today?
2: Yeah, the the opportunity to work on G seven was a was a terrific one for me. Uh, full disclosure: I am a patient myself. I've had type one diabetes for over thirty five years, so it's it's no um, it wasn't just sheer happenstance that I ended up at Dexcom. Um, I work at Dexcom because I use the product and I have benefited from it. My health has improved as a result of it. And I um, both love it, but also think that we can always do better. And I think every product out there can always improve and evolve. And so this article that I wrote was about capturing how design influences the development of a product like G7. One of the things we talk about in the article is that CGMs have evolved over time. These started off with this really promising technology and the software was not as advanced. But as we get more and more users on products like this, the design needs to improve. It needs to be more user-friendly and it needs to, it can best serve users or uh, people with diabetes by allowing them to get in, address the the problems that they have in their life or help them to manage their health and then get out and get back to the rest of their life. And that that aspect of the experience is is actually really important to me. It's that whole mental burden of diabetes. Um, people talk about how having diabetes can be like having a part-time job or a full-time job. You're always making all these decisions. There's tremendous power in having glucose readings from a CGM. Yet at the same time, that's a lot of data, and data can either be really powerful or overwhelming. And we want it to be the former. We want you to be able to live healthier by using these these devices and the software.
1: I guess the question is what what was the main what's the main message you want to get to other designers, creators of digital health products who are wanting to help and support people living with
2: all forms of diabetes? Sure. You know, living living in the US, there's, there's no shortage of problems with our healthcare system. I think there's a lot of frustrations across the experience um, from probably from everyone involved. Living with type one diabetes for as long as I have for several decades, I can definitely, I know several aspects aspects of it myself. And I definitely wanted to just be part of that solution. I think that there's a lot of designers out there doing great work and there's no shortage of um, great design work being produced by all industries. But we're seeing a lot of change in healthcare in America and around the world right now. And we're seeing this digitization of the experience and that the whole industry needs as much help as we can get. Um, We need great design to be more prevalent, we need to cut down these frustrations that people experience, whether it's managing themselves on a day-to-day basis or even, you know, probably in your experience talking um, with your patients and even caregivers, there's another part of the whole experience about getting data so that others can see it as well with real-time monitoring tools. So. Whether it's with a medical device industry or with other aspects of healthcare design, there's there's lots of problems to be solved. There's so much great work going on, but I feel like it's just the tip of the iceberg um, to improve the overall experience for users and to give people the tools that help them live healthier. Doug, what are some of the
0: important steps that you take when you're designing a product for
2: diabetes? Well, there's definitely a range of different inputs that we have to manage for. We obviously have to get this past uh, regulatory review, be it with the FDA or whichever agencies we um, work with around the globe. So you have your regulatory requirements. You know that um, the app needs to be considerate of certain things. Um, we have our technical Limitations, we are designing for both iOS and Android. So we need to know how those systems work, all the background technology of of getting data off of the sensor and onto an app or onto the receiver or into the cloud. But the most important one is understanding your users and understanding the needs that they have and and the problems that they're facing in, in managing their health. And so we have a lot of different inputs to that. We conduct a lot of user research ourselves, so we'll go out and speak with patients with different treatment regimens. Um, A product like G7 is very focused on what we call IIT patients, intensive insulin therapy patients, type 1s like myself, for example, um, who are on mealtime insulin, but we also speak with type 2s and different treatment regimens there. We we speak with other care providers, be it parents of a Um, someone who is helping to manage their child's health. And we talk with a lot of healthcare providers as well. So you have to be able to distill all this information and be able to see, sometimes people are very good about straight up telling you the, the exact problem that they're looking for help solving, but sometimes all they can say is their frustration and you need to distill a lot of that feedback and come up with a problem statement that really gets the heart of what they're really talking about and then be able to first figure out whether you can actually address that problem with the software or the product that you're working on. And then if so, how are you going to do it? You know, are you going to be able to get all the features out right away? Or are you going to have to first get out a V1 and then a V2 and then a V3? But that, that voice of the user, that is core to being a user experience designer. You need to be able to represent the challenges and needs of users when you're in discussions with your regulatory team, with your legal team, with your R&D team, and there may be different voices about how we should approach the design. Doug, in your article that appeared in JDST
0: in July, you mentioned the double diamond process. How does that process affect the types of products you design?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I mentioned is that the healthcare industry, as we improve the design, can follow the best practices that have been used for a long time in in mainstream technology, all of your big technology players. And the double, double diamond design process is a means of going from a problem that you're handed to the actual final solution. Um, people who have less insight into how technology works might think you immediately go to the, the final UI screens, the user interface screens, the final mockups of how this is gonna work. So there's a lot of work you need to do before you get there. When we get into a product like G7, we actually had different stakeholders telling us a lot of different things. We had our business goals, we had our clinical goals, and then we had our user goals. These are some of the inputs that you have. And so if you're working with a team and everybody's thinking that what we're building next is something different, well, then you have a problem. So you first have to get everyone on the same page. You need to gather all of these inputs from these various stakeholders and then be able to translate that into a problem statement that everybody can get behind. If you don't agree on what the problem is, then you're probably not gonna agree on what the solution is. And so that first diamond in the, in the double diamond approach is all about um, what are we solving for? And then once you get to that problem statement and you share it and you get buy-in from your team, that's when you go into the second phase of the work, which is around the how. How is the best way that we could address that problem statement that we have? And then each of these phases, you have an exploration phase where you quote unquote go wide. You're looking at every possible idea out there. Just get it all up on the board and, and, and think about any number of different approaches you can have. And then once you get through that, you start to narrow it down. You start to look at why one approach might be better than the other. You get designs in front of users. You get their feedback. You refine those problem statements that may have been a little bit, um, perhaps they were a little bit vaguer and they need to be more specific. And it's through this process that you finally get to what you actually See when you, for example, download the G7 mobile app on your phone.
1: So, Doug, just to take this further, you said in your article that once the app launches, you're looking at the feedback, and that comes through App Store reviews, I guess, social media and people calling Dexcom. How, what's the value of that? Do you think it represents the greater world of people living with diabetes? And how, how much value do you put into that?
2: Uh, that's a great question. You know, we, we do have a means of taking every app store review, for example, that comes in and we look at those. And I was just talking with one of my colleagues earlier today. Um, it's a little bit of a, a challenging channel to distill to, to the feedback because a lot of it tends to be pretty negative um a lot of one star reviews and of course you have to um sit with that and hear it and and acknowledge that must it. be that must be quite depressing <laughs> or is it just part for the course you know i i think i probably um i probably take it a little bit more personally than i should and i think over time you kind of get more used to it as i said as a as someone who uses these systems themselves i i take it all very personally um I, but we have to hear it and we have to escalate or raise up the the feedback that we think is most noteworthy that's one channel where the feedback tends to skew a little bit more critical we obviously have our whole sales team so they are interacting with healthcare professionals they're also interacting with with users of the systems themselves, we have people posting on YouTube or any of the other social media channels. We'll see that as well. Um, we have reviews written by, you know, people like Diatribe and Close Concerns is another voice. And then obviously there's just the experience of walking around a conference. Um, you can see it. Um, people you know or people who visit our booth. So there's, there's no shortage of channels. We do other, we have other metrics like our um, scores that will rank us and we look at those as well. We look at our our call support volume. Um, All of these channels serve their, um, each each serve a good purpose. We can see our, um, we can de identify the data and look how people are actually using the app and maybe if they are getting stuck somewhere. We know that's an area that we want to improve. So, you know, we we get G7 out the door. We we see its launch. We know there's already other features that are going to be coming to market down the line. Um, we always know that there's more work to do. Some of it's expected and some of it's not. And so, you know, you just do your best to, to roll with it.
1: I find this very reassuring that it's not a question of if, you, if we build it, you will come. The fact that you're reflecting on it is really positive. I'll hand it back to David Klonoff.
0: Doug, do you see any trends for future devices in the whole industry?
2: I think the one of the most interesting things I'm seeing is just looking at the adoption of CGMs as the technology. I I went on my first CGM, I think it was about eleven or twelve years ago, and you know I've been very focused on the data and and the knowledge that's in there that. I feel like we haven't been leveraging as much as we could. Um, and so when I first went on a CGM, it was it was quite unique, but it's become much more mainstream now. Obviously, the adoption amongst, for example, the type one users is is rather significant and it's glowing, growing globally as well. But when I hear about people in Silicon Valley and other places wearing CGMs when they don't even have diabetes or not even pre-diabetes. I think that's really fascinating when I look at all the work around, you know, personalized medicine and glycemic wellness. uh, One of the things that I've been thinking about for a long time has been nutrition and how our meals affect us. And obviously for me, that's about calculating how many carbs and how much insulin I take. But this is a this is something that's important to everyone. everyone wants to live healthier. everyone wants to live longer and so we're seeing that in c g m this tool that may eventually have broader adoption within the population i've you know I've also had researchers in cancer come up to me and say that they're looking at the correlation of glucose management to the progression of things like cancer I think. All this stuff is fascinating and is beyond the original reason that people were using Dexcom CGMs, but I think that's really exciting. Doug, thank you for joining us.
0: On behalf of myself, David Konoff, and Dr. David Kerr, uh, you've been a very nice guest. Uh, The Diabetes Technology Report is available on Spotify, uh, Apple Store, Diabetes Technology Society website and our new website, Salud Diabetes. So until our next Diabetes Technology Report podcast, see you later. Thank
2: you so much for having me. This has been great.